So I've really gotten a lot out of the, the things we've been talking about over the last uh, few months, just digging back through Exodus. It's not new. It's not the first time I've been through it. But man, every time that um, Kevin and Danielle have been digging into it, I've been getting so much out of it. And, and the topic that, that's really hit me again and again in this study is how is the perspective of the, of the Israelites. As they're going through these struggles, they're going through this turmoil, these horrible events, there's this, this um, binary perspective. On one hand, they see God. They see what God is doing. They hear God's promises, and they follow it. Crystal clear. I get it, God. I'm going to do what you say. And the other hand, it's the earthly perspective that, oh, we're in the desert. Oh, we're in slavery. Oh, they're seeing things just through their own eyes. And so it's hit me again and again how they're seeing that. And sometimes they get it and just nail it. And other times they totally miss the boat. But, you know, they're not the only ones. I, we all do that, right? Not me, but you guys. Um, it, you know, they, they, uh, it's so easy to lose track of what God is saying to us, what he's promised to us, what he's doing in our lives, because, you know, it's so much easier to trust your own eyes. The things you see in front of you, the people around you, it's just a lot easier. So it's so much easier to say, oh, it's just the Israelites. Oh, they didn't get it. They're slow. But, right, I'm at least as guilty, right? I'm, I'm missing out on things every day when I'm not trusting in God and getting God's perspective. And so what I wanted to do is, is dig in a little bit to, to what I saw to, to see the, the things that are both in the Bible in throughout the Israelites and other stories, but also in our own lives. So uh, the first thing that I need to say is that having a godly perspective is not the same as optimism, right? It's not like, oh, if you believe in God, everything's going to be great, right? It's not always look on the bright side of life. It's, it's not like, oh, God's will is easy, and if you just follow God, everything's great. Because again and again and again, that's clearly not the case. And as, as my wife pointed out, it's also not the, the perspective of God is not always the same as the church, which is a little more nuanced, right? You've got what God tells you to do, and then there's organized religion, what they tell you to do. Well, you know, they should be in, in unity, but not always. And then there's just what we see in front of us. So, so what's the difference? I mean, it's, it's really straightforward. It's accepting and searching out the will of God, saying, well, God, what have you promised me? What have you told me? What have I learned from you? What's in your scriptures? What have you taught me from people around me? And it's not escaping realism, right? It's not like we can detach from reality and we're on some ethereal plane. No, we're just seeing reality from God's perspective. And it's so hard to do. So, but what I wanted to talk about is just the grand narrative and showing how God comes through history and seeing what he's done in his word and then how it applies to us. So, um, the first example that came to mind is Moses, right? He's off in the desert and the, the burning bush uh, is, it attracts Moses and he goes over and the burning bush says, God speaking through it, go gather the elders of Israel together and tell them that Yahweh has said, I shall bring you out of the misery of Egypt. So that's the first thing. I will take you out of slavery. And the second thing is I'll give you the land, the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. So remember those, because those names are going to come in handy in a second. Okay, so then you get the plagues, right? So God told him what he was going to do, told Moses, and Moses followed God's rules, his, his guidance. So as God told him, I will turn the river into blood. Boom, done, river blood. Wow, okay, all right. God, I see the things that you promised to do through me, and you're doing them. And the plague of the frogs, and then the plague of the gnats, and then the plague of the, um, this is the, the, the wild animals, and then the killing of the livestock, 
and then the boils. I love these Lego features. These are awesome. And then there's the locusts. Like all these things that God said, I'm going to do this. And the people of Israel said, oh, all right, that's kind of weird. I, mean, I don't know how you turn the, the river into blood. I don't know how you make the boils come down or make the locusts and the killing of the firstborn. But all those things, just as God promised, when they actually said, all right, God, we're going to see what you can do, he did it. And the last slide, he brought them out of Egypt through the Red Sea. Amazing. So when they actually obeyed God, things went well. It's not always easy. I mean, being in slavery for 400 years, probably not easy. But the things that God promised, they all came true. So they got out, and Moses said, all right, let's go, go into the land that God has promised me. So he got 12 Lego figures, and he commissioned them to go into the land and to survey it, to check it out, see what's over there. They, they did that, just as Moses requested, and they saw giants. Okay, all right. And they saw produce. The land was teeming with, with life. There's so many things that, as God promised, it was a rich and fertile land. So they came back and they said, okay, good news, Moses. There are the Amalekites. They live in the Negev area. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, all the people that God told them would be there, right? This is not a surprise. God said, here are the people you'll find, and shockingly, those are the people they found. And so you've got two different perspectives. In the 12, 12 uh, people there, you had Caleb and Joshua, and they said, no brainer. We can march immediately and take it. We are certainly able to conquer it. Now, the other people, the other 10 dudes, they had the exact same trip. They saw the same things, and they had a totally different perspective. They said, well, there's no way. We're dead meat. They're stronger than we are. They're of enormous size. So then from the godly perspective, like, no, I see what God promised. I saw reality. No, no this, we will get what God promised. And then you get the other perspective uh, that, like, well, I don't know. There are giants, and we have been in slavery for 400 years. We don't have an army. I don't, I don't think we're going to do it. And then it starts to, to lend itself toward pessimism. They start to doubt it. Well, maybe we'd be better off dying in Egypt. You know, you brought this in this country to die, and our wives are going to be seized. Oh, it would be better if we go back to Egypt. Let's choose a leader, and let's go back to Egypt. So does anyone guess what happened here? Dead Legos. <laughs> the, the people that, God, that, that Moses commissioned, they doubted him, and he said, okay, all right, this is, what, this is what has happened. Because they were focused in earthly reality, their earthly lives ended. And the people that God, that, that God spoke to and that listened to God and believed him for his word, they, they entered the promised land. Now, Moses didn't, but that's a whole different story. Okay, so I, I saw a lot of things here in, just in the story, in the Exodus story, but there's so many other ones that came to mind. The first is Noah, right? I love that they have a dinosaur in that. It's just classic. Okay, so Noah was a great example of someone who saw life from God's perspective. It says in the Bible, Noah was different. God liked what he saw in Noah. Noah was a good man, a man of integrity in his community. Noah walked with God. So you guys all know the story. God came to him and said, hey, I want you to, it's, I'm going to flood the earth. I want you to build an ark and take animals and your, all the people inside of it, and you'll be safe. Now, how weird is that, right? He's nowhere near water. It hasn't rained in years. And God says, oh, by the way, I want you to build a boat. Here's the blueprints. Go out and build a boat. How many of you guys would do that, right? Who's got that? I don't, right? <laughs> if God came to me in a dream tonight and said, okay, Jason, I want you to build a boat. Like, I don't think so. <laughs> it's weird. But this is an example of Noah. He was a good man. He walked with God. And God gave him the ability to say, you know what? I'm not going to believe what I see with my eyes. I'm just going to believe what God says, and it's all going to work out. It's not going to be easy. Everyone was laughing at him, which, you know, not surprising. <laughs> 
But you see what God did through them for that perspective. So the next one is Job. Yeah, great. <laughs> so Job, same sort of thing. He walked with God. God was actually bragging about Noah. That's, that's insane. <laughs> At Noah, or God was talking to Satan. And God said, have you noticed my friend Job? His friend, right? Not just some random guy. There is no one quite like him, honest and totally true to his word, totally devoted to God and hating evil. That's amazing. I mean, I, I, I barely aspire to something like that, to, for God to say, wow. But now, again, it's, this isn't about optimism, right? <laughs> Spoiler alert, it didn't go really well for Job. <laughs> he had a horrible experience. God and, and this whole um, what happened took away everything that mattered to him, took away his family, his livestock, his crops, Everything was destroyed. His whole health was destroyed. His body was covered in sores, right? He saw things still through a godly perspective, right? I don't know if I would. I mean, covered head to toe in boils. I've lost my family, lost everything else all around me. And all I have is a couple of guys to kind of like make life even worse. That's it. But Job was faithful to God. And he was honest. He didn't say like, woohoo, this is great. Praise you, God. Like, no, no, no. He was miserable. And he was honest with God. And he shared that. But again, his perspective didn't change. Like, oh, I hate God. I'm going to curse God. No, even though people around him were saying, just curse God and die. It's like, no, that's not my perspective. I don't know what God's doing. It's not like he got the script and he knew that good things would happen in the end. He just said, I'm going to be faithful to God. So in, in uh, in the Bible, it says, Job got to his feet. He ripped his robe. He shaved his head. He fell to the ground and he worshiped. Would you guys do that? I don't know. I, I, I challenge myself. Would I do that? He said, naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I'll return to the womb of the earth. God gives, God takes, God's name be forever blessed. And again, he didn't know how it was going to end up. As it turned out, life got much better than even before. He got more family and more livestock and more crops, and God really, really blessed him. But it was because Job said, you know what? I'm just going to try and see life as God sees it. That's, that's a challenge to me. Um, so Moses, right? We've already talked about him. It is impossible to see his life without God's hand on it, right? He should not have lived more than a couple days. He was marked for death by the Egyptians, and he was saved miraculously. And not just like sustenance living, he was raised in the palace like a prince. So God had already saved him from an early life and raised him to do something special. So when he saw things through the perspective of God, wow, I'm not dead, and I'm living a pretty posh existence here. This isn't so bad. But then at a different time, he didn't see through life through God's perspective. He saw one of his fellow countrymen being mistreated, and he sparked up an anger and killed the guy. Happens. I mean, that's, that's probably more of an earthly perspective, cold-blooded murder. But, but um, so that led to decades in the desert. He was a shepherd, and then God came back to him and spoke to him through the burning bush. So every single step of the way, God spoke to him and said, these are my people. I want you to lead them out. And at first he said, no, I, I can't do it. There's, there's no way. I, you know, talk to my brother, talk to my friends. I, I'm not the guy. And God said, no, I want you to see this through my perspective and see what you can do with me. Uh, but he still missed a lot of cues. He never got into the promised land. So uh, David, another great example. Sometimes he totally got life through God's perspective. Other times he missed it. So in this um, Lego scene, um, he was taking on Goliath. And this is such a great example. I mean, I was, I was even surprised when I read the text again. 
So this kid, right, he's like the age of my son. He's like a boy. And he goes up to the most fierce warrior in the world, <laughs> like three times the size, totally decked out in armor. And what he says is just shocking. He said, you come at me with sword and spear and battle axe. I come at you in the name of the God of the angel armies, the God of Israel's troops who you curse and mock. This very day, God is handing you over to me. I'm going to kill you, cut off your head, serve up your body and the bodies of your Philistine buddies to the crows and coyotes. The whole earth will know that there's an extraordinary God in Israel. And everyone gathered here will learn that God doesn't save by means of sword or spear. The battle belongs to God. He's handing you to us on a platter. That's cold, right? I mean, he's like looking up, yelling at this guy. Like, oh, you're a dead man. And it's not because I'm strong, but I know what God's going to do through me. And I see you taunting the, the, the people of God. Well, he's going to take you out. And I may be the agent that he chooses to take you out, but it's, there's no question in my mind, God is going to take you down. Man, that's not earthly, right? You don't logically do that. Smart people don't look at someone three times their size and say, oh, you're toast, right? That's, that's not a worldly, earthly perspective. So, you know, you guys know that story. He uh, became king, very popular. He was a military ruler, and, and he still consulted God at many times, not all the time. But one time he prayed to God and he said, shall I go fight the Philistines? Will you help me beat them? And God said, yes, go up, count on me. I will help you beat them. So David went straight to Baal, Perazim, and smashed them to pieces. Afterward, David said, God exploded on my enemies like a gush of water. So David named that place Baal Perazim, the master who explodes. The retreating Philistines dumped their idols and David and his soldiers took them away. Later, there's a repeat performance. The Philistines came up again. They deployed their troops in the Rephaim Valley. David again prayed to God. This time God said, no, don't, don't attack them head on. Instead, circle around behind them and ambush them from the grove of sacred trees. When you hear the sound of shuffling the trees, get ready to move out. It's a signal that God is going ahead of you to smash the Philistine camp. So, God did exactly what God, uh, so David did exactly what God told him. He routed the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. So on one hand, you've got sort of the military perspective and different military strategies, but he didn't consult his military advisors. He didn't ask his generals, okay, how are we going to take these guys out? He prayed to God. That's distinctive, right? That he didn't do the logical thing. He said, well, God's in control. If we're successful, it's because of God. So let me see if he's in it. And if he's in it, great. Then it will work out, just like Goliath, just like the other battles. So, uh, and there's other examples in his life where that wasn't the case. He saw things from his own perspective, from the rooftops, from all that sort of stuff. Uh, then one of my favorite stories is Elisha, because it's just a great example of the difference in perspective. On one hand, uh, so uh, he woke up one morning, and he went out early, with, and he saw an army of horses and chariots that had surrounded the city. And his servant said, oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The prophet said, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are against them, against us. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. So the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Insane, right? That, that God would show them, Here's, here is reality, right? There's not just the physical reality, but there's the reality that God sees. And that's the challenge, is to keep reminding ourselves, God, open our eyes. What is it out there that you want us to see? Um, Jesus right? This is like the ultimate answer, right? In trivial pursuits, I always like, well, Jesus, yeah, okay, all right. So, but I mean, he is the example of, of who gets it right. Who sees things from a godly perspective? Well, God incarnate, duh, right? Everywhere through his life, every single step, he could see what God wanted him to do. 
And, and it wasn't just being God, right? That's, that's the easy one. But every single example of Jesus throughout the Bible, he's always talking to God. He's always taking time out to pray to God and ask him, what do you want me to do? He knew that he couldn't do God's will unless he was connected with God. So, I mean, I can give you a hundred examples from Jesus' life, but they don't have Legos for all of them, so. Um, and the last one is Paul. He had, first, an incredibly earthly perspective. I mean, his job was to find and kill Christians, right? That's, that's <laughs> not a spiritual perspective. He went out of his way to persecute the Christians, and then God confronted him face to face, and he saw directly God's perspective. So then from there, an amazing life close to God, in, con- in concert with God, asking God's guidance, and it changed his perspective. So toward the end of his life, he was in prison. Um, about midnight, he and Paul, uh, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to him. Which, I mean, that's kind of a significant point. I don't know if you guys have ever been to prison. I have not. Kind of excited about that. But I would imagine if I'm in this dumpy prison cell, chained to the wall, probably tortured and beaten and all that sort of stuff, praying and singing hymns to God might not be the, my natural instinct. That's, that's hard. That's, that's pretty impressive. And, and I think it's notable to, to show his life and his connection with God. So suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. All at once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword, and he was going to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, no, don't harm yourself. We're all here. So the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? The logical thing is you run, right? (laughs) You're in prison. The doors open. Go through the doors as fast as you can. But for some reason, he felt the leading of God to say, no, 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 hang on, stay here. There's something else I want you to do. That's challenging. I mean, to me, I'm not Paul. I can't do that. I don't always feel the, exactly the calling of God. But man, it's a great challenge to see, all right, what am I missing? What is it that God wants me to do here? So this is something obviously that I struggle with. I think we all do. It's so easy to get sucked into the the, um, the things we see with our own eyes. Like, so from my perspective, right, I've got a job. I work. I work hard and have to do, you know, make business decisions. I've got to fire people. I've got to compete with other companies. It's, you know, it's not an easy life. It's not like, oh, great, I can just, you know, say I'm a Christian and then everything will fall into place. But still, every single day, I, I seek out what it is that God wants me to do. And maybe there's nothing particular. But man, I, I, if I don't, when I don't, I miss out on what God has for me that day. And, and sometimes it's notable. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. Lovely wife. I can see my job as a parent or my job as a husband. And I can see it just through my own eyes and say, oh, okay, this is, this is how I want to be. Or this is how I think I should act, how I think I should parent. But man, those times when I seek out God and say, okay, God, what, how do you want me to be a husband today? How do you want me to be a dad today? Or specifically, what do I do with this? it can change my perspective dramatically. Um, so this is something that I've struggled with my whole life. I mean, there's, there's times where it's individual instances, what should I do here? Um, one notable one that came to mind uh, is when I was a kid, I was uh, 14 or so, and I had this huge back surgery. I had all, all messed up, and um, it was a big challenge. I mean, there's a good chance I was going to be paralyzed, certainly 100% chance I was going to go through a really rough situation. And, uh, and I really spent time seeking out God's will and saying, this, I mean, 
you know, make this go away, please. I, if this cup could be taken from me, that'd be great. I don't want to have my spine removed. But, um, but if, if I'm going to go through this, God, I want to see something from you. I, I don't want this just to just be a medical situation. I want to have you work through me. And I, I would like to have some sort of testimony that I could say, oh, here's what God has done through me. I want like this, you know, John 3.16, and I want to be able to like help people. And, and God said, well, yeah, there's Acts 4.14. Yeah. Uh, okay, so like two in the morning, I woke up, opened my Bible. Like I, it's probably just something because I've you know never really studied that verse before. But the verses, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Got it. And so I was seeing my perspective of like, okay, I could be paralyzed from this huge back surgery, and God said clearly in the middle of the night in Minnesota, no, you don't understand. People will see your healing. And it will help, um, it'll, that, that healing will come from God. So, it, it all comes down to the Holy Spirit. If you look at everywhere throughout the Bible, the people, I wish I could give you like a three-step program, like here are the three steps you could do to, you know, get this right. No, but if you look at the people who do it right, it's just time spent with God. Once the Holy Spirit came into the world, the people who God uses constantly seek out his leading. They seek out his Holy Spirit in their life to say, okay, guide me, counsel me, give me guidance. I need to know what it is you want me to do. That's the only formula I've ever found, and I certainly haven't figured it out, but when I seek out God, when I ask the Holy Spirit to come in and guide me, it makes a huge difference, because otherwise it just goes back to my own two eyes, and that always doesn't work out very well. So, so I wanted to take some time with you guys and, and take a quick time. To have you guys spend some time with God and think about this and say, okay, for, for me in my own life, what would this look like, right? It's not just the, the, um, the, the, the replacement speaker up front, but like, no, me, me in my heart. If, if you had a truly godly perspective, you started chipping away at the areas where you were, weren't as focused on God, what three things in your life would be different? And secondly, who are the people that God has put in your life? And why has he put those people in your life? And last but not least, you know, simple, you know, easy question. Why has God made you who you are? It's not a true-false question. But God put you on this earth for a reason. Yeah, they're, they're hard questions. Obviously, there's, there's no right answer. But I think it's, it's worthwhile to just keep reexamining our lives and see what it is. How is God leading us? What has he promised us? What are the things that, if we really took God seriously, what would life be different? So I'll just close this in prayer. And then, um, yeah, just keep these sheets and, and keep filling out throughout the week. Keep praying through them. I mean, that's, that's, that would be a success. Dear Lord, thank you for bringing us here together. Thank you for being with us every single second of our lives. Please open our eyes as you have throughout your word. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit into our midst. Please, please help us to keep seeing things through your perspective. In Jesus' name, amen.